You're listening to episode 12 of the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we talk about why you don't deserve comfort. You deserve better. Welcome to the Rebel Buddhist Podcast, where we explore how to use the science of psychology, Eastern spiritual practices like mindfulness and compassion, and the game-changing work of self-coaching so you can free your mind and free your life. I'm your host, Anna Verzoni. Hey, hey, my friends. I hope you're having an amazing week. Last weekend, I went to Talkeetna, which is this great little mining town that's the gateway to Denali. And I was doing some fly fishing, Buddha style, like not actually catching anything with a hook, (laughs) whether that was intentional or not. I'll leave that up to you to ponder. But anyway, we get into town and I'm in my clothes that I wore under my waders, right? And I'm not smelling super great, I'm sure, because I've been stuffed away inside my waterproof waders all weekend and then getting into a sleeping bag at night, right? And I see this new kind of hip shop in Talkeetna, which sort of piques my interest. And I decide to go in and it's called Didi Dada. How cute is that? I just love the name. And it had a bunch of cool like Euro stuff and random local crafts like this gorgeous flamenco guitar made from local wood and exquisite handcrafted jewelry. And I was so into it. And my husband is like, you were so hilarious walking in there in your fishing clothes after camping all weekend, looking at shit that costs like thousands of dollars. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's so me. And of course, I think that's totally hot and not weird at all, right? But I find it interesting that at this point in my life, I've struck this balance knowing that for me, it feels right to have a little discomfort and a little posh. It's one of the yin and yang things I've got going on. Like when we do overseas trips in remote places even, I like to land, stay somewhere super nice for the first night or two so we can get oriented. Then we hit the road and we dirtbag it or just stay in places that are more rustic. And then after about a week of that, we do posh again, right? I like to kind of mix it up. And I know some of y'all out there might be thinking, oh, not me, Anna. No way. I am posh all the way. Why would you even intentionally do that? Right? And it's a fair question because I could afford to not dirtbag it, but I enjoy it and I find value in it. Right? Here's the thing. The more you have an aversion to discomfort, the more you actually suffer. It's totally ironic, right? You'd think, oh, if I protect myself and do Pashi all the time, I'm going to suffer less. But I found it's the exact opposite that's true. When you have an aversion to discomfort, the more you actually suffer. So if all you did was stay in fancy places, if all you did was protect yourself from discomfort and hung out with people who agreed with you and never really went anywhere that challenged your beliefs, for example, everything is always temperature controlled and soft and tasty and nice. The minute shit went wrong, you would have such a stronger reaction to it than if you had practiced being with discomfort and reminded yourself that life isn't always comfortable. And that discomfort isn't something to be feared. 
So for me, I like to practice being uncomfortable when it's not just happening, right? When I was at Outward Bound, we called it expanding your comfort zone. I like doing this because then I never feel like I can't do discomfort anymore, right? I'm not afraid of it. When I was in nursing school, I was in the ER and this doc was listening to me talk about this dirtbag place we stayed in when we were traveling in Southeast Asia. And he was like, stay in those places as long as you can, because once you stop, you can't go back. And I totally remember him saying that. So I've actually made it a practice to expand my comfort zone whenever we travel. And it's important to remind myself that I can do simple. I can do hot. I can do dirty. I can do freezing and sweaty and noisy. I can do all that and still be happy, which leads me to not have an aversion to it. Because life, my friends, will give you uncomfortable, whether you like it or not, whether you're ready for it or not. So instead of trying to run from it at all costs, I like to know and trust that I'll be just fine. The key thing here is not that you have to be uncomfortable all of the time, but rather to cultivate the ability to not have an aversion to discomfort. I find yoga teaches this to me really well. Like you're in a super awkward pose and it's not the yummy kind that you're like, oh yeah, this is why I come to yoga. So for me, that super awkward pose might be Urdhva Dhanurasana, upward bow, right? Where you're propped up on your hands and feet doing a back bend basically. And for me, it's the kind of pose where you're like, why the fuck did I decide to come here? This is pissing me off and I hate this. When is this over? Where's the damn clock? Shit. Katie, which is my fave yoga instructor, Katie Inman at Anchorage Yoga, she just saw me looking at the clock. And then your instructor says it all calm and stuff like, if you're feeling resistance to this pose, let your face relax, maybe even smile a little. Don't think about when it'll be over. Just be with it right now. Let your body open to it. What would happen if you just surrendered to being in this pose for a while? And then you realize when you stop resisting the pose and just become present and mindful, you can actually relax more, maybe even enjoy it a little, or at least not hate it. At least you're not trying to be somewhere else. And then Katie always says like, okay, let that joy go. And mm, it feels so good to let go after you've learned to be with it. More than just letting go after resisting it, right? One is, mm, and the other one is, fuck, I'm so glad that's done, right? <laughs> and climbing also taught me this. When I was a climbing guide, those were some of the most rewarding years of my life. My mom was sort of shocked about this and confused too. She grew up in poverty in the Philippines. And when I visit her between guiding expeditions, she would say how she thought it was crazy, how she worked so hard after sleeping on dirt floors and wishing she had more stuff all of her life, only to have a daughter graduate from UCSC and choose a job that paid $55 a day. I did make more later in my career, but not that much live out of her car and have all of her possessions in the back of her 
station wagon, and that required me to sleep on the ground most days of the year. But ultimately, she did want me to be happy, so she never asked me to stop. But it was a topic of jokes every day, how I was choosing to be uncomfortable and how I was intentionally choosing things that she was intentionally trying to avoid. And I suppose a part of it is that discomfort's very different when we have a choice about it. But whether you choose it or not, when you're in it, you're training your brain and body to be able to be with it. So yeah, being in the mountains taught me a lot about hard and uncomfortable things. The mountains taught me how to trust my own gut, even when others disagreed or it was really inconvenient. Like when I didn't think a route was safe, I had to speak up. It wasn't just my life on the line, but other people's. I remember I made this safety call that was really inconvenient. We were crossing a pretty narrow, slippery snowshoot, and very far down was a rushing river that disappeared under a snowpack. So it was unlikely that anyone would fall in this short span of crossing. But if they did, the consequence was likely death. And it would take a long time to set up a fixed line that would catch someone if they should fall. And I said I wanted to either do that or take another route. And my co-guide at the time disagreed. He said he thought it was fine and that no one would fall and that just in case he would just stand below where they were crossing. And I was thinking, what? You wouldn't be able to stop someone on this slippery stuff. And later he confided in me that he thought I was right and that he was glad I said something. So you see, we have to learn to trust ourselves and to speak up even when it's uncomfortable. The mountains taught me how to be a role model and call people out. I remember there was this gorgeous young woman on one of our trips, and she was using this to her advantage to get the guys on the course to do stuff for her, right? She'd say like, oh, could you please bring me my pack? Oh, I'm supposed to be on water duty today. Can you do it for me? Oh, can you fill my water bottle? And it wasn't even because she couldn't do it. This girl was so strong, a powerhouse. She could do more pull-ups than most of the guys on the trip. So I had to talk with her about how it was admittedly resourceful of her, but that for me, you know, I had to prove that I was as strong as the guys to get this job, how it was so much harder for me to get it because I had to be so good. And I was always assumed that I was not as strong because I was a woman. So I asked her to please respect what it took me to get this job as a climbing guide. And she listened. You know, the mountains taught me how to let people be wrong about me too. There was a guy on a trip who hated me. There was some trippy shit going on because it started on day one before I even opened my mouth, right? And he hated that I'd ask him like not to kill lizards and ants all day. Like it, it would totally bum me out to just watch him doing this every day, smushing them just for fun. And I said to him, look, we don't have to like each other, but we do have to respect each other. Can we do that? So there it was, three weeks in the backcountry with someone who hated me, respecting one another, making the most of our adventure. Who knows if he ended up liking me? It kind of seemed like it, but the point was I let him be wrong about me. And I had to, day in, day out with him for three weeks. The mountains taught me so many things, but one of the most valuable things the mountains taught me was how to be uncomfortable. 
how to deal with 30 days of freezing rain and only three pairs of nasty-ass socks with everything I needed on my back, how to be really hungry and thirsty and conserve my energy so I could keep going, knowing food and water were a long way, and having fasted for like more than three days, how to eat pasta that had white gas spilled on it because, hey, that's what we had. And in case you're wondering, yes, you do fart and burp it out. How to sleep with my helmet on because we were camped under a place with notorious rockfall and no other alternatives, not to mention managing my thoughts around a rock landing on my head so I could relax enough to get much needed sleep. How to feel pain in my hands and feet due to extreme cold for hours and hours during a climb and getting temporary respite when I had time to like swing my limbs around to bring the blood flow back to the tips of my fingers and toes. How to deal with my legs going numb after hours of boredom on a hanging belay. And this was before iPods and podcasts were around to like chip away at the time, right? I definitely learned how to be bored, which was one of my most feared emotions. And yep, even after a while, you can be bored swinging 2,000 feet above the ground, right? I learned how to hike when my hips had bruises and scabs on them from my heavy pack abrading against it bushwhacking and getting half a mile in a whole hour, sweaty and bugs swarming around me and landing in my food. And like, I remember at altitude climbing Aconcagua and being at like 22,500 feet, right? No oxygen, just on my own, putting one foot in front of the other, being so tired, right? I'd say, just take three steps, just take three steps and you can rest and then we'll rethink this. And every three steps, committing to the next three, feeling like my legs had blocks of cement on them. And I cried at the summit. I was so damn tired and happy. And I could keep going on, but you get the point, right? Those were uncomfortable lessons, but they were totally worth it. And all in all, what the mountains taught me was you don't get to do cool shit without knowing how to be uncomfortable. Tweet that, right? It's so true. You have to learn how to be uncomfortable if you want to do some amazing things in this world, because that is the currency of a life well lived. You know, in the peak of my mountaineering days, I wasn't the strongest climber. I wasn't the most skilled climber, but I got asked to go on a lot of expeditions. And one of my favorite partners, he said, I like climbing with Anna because she knows how to suffer. Isn't that crazy? What he meant was I could suffer and not bitch and moan about it all day. I could suffer and just take it, keeping focused on the task at hand. I could suffer and know how to take care of myself so that others didn't have to. And they could take care of themselves when they needed to. I could suffer and keep moving forward. I could suffer and still laugh and make jokes and lend my partners a hand. That's what you want in a climbing partner. I mean, frankly, I think it's what you want in any kind of partner. It's also what you want as a character trait for yourself if you want to do cool shit in this life. Dr. Martin Luther King said, and I'm going to read this using the word woman instead of man. The ultimate measure of a woman is not where she stands in moments of comfort and convenience but where she stands at times of challenge and controversy. 
So knowing how to suffer and be uncomfortable opens up a lot of doors for you, right? It helped me create a life that was full of freedom, adventure, and purpose. It wasn't just the trips I got to go on. I also learned to do hard things. I learned how to do things that would possibly take a long time and not give me instant gratification. How to stick with something through and through, to finish what I started, to learn how to fail, sometimes literally falling on a climb and physically hurting myself, and how to get back up over and over. Learning how to take risks and how fear does not help at all when trying to get out of a sticky situation. I learned how to be present despite my discomfort, so that I could stay focused on the task at hand. I also learned how to tell the difference between real discomfort and made-up discomfort. I could tell if I wanted to turn around because we either weren't going to make it and we're in over our heads or due to safety reasons, versus turning around just because I was scared or too lazy to deal with the discomfort I knew we were in for. And that last lesson was probably one of the biggest to learn. So many times I would wonder if I was just trying to talk myself out of a climb because I was scared or lazy versus if what I was saying about, say, the weather being bad, was that really true? And eventually I started learning how to be honest with myself. That was invaluable. And there was so much more. So you can see how all this discomfort probably helped me with a lot of other things having nothing to do with the outdoors, like starting my business, getting my doctorate degree, hanging in there when my marriage got tough, or grieving the death of my parents, or having cancer twice. Learning to be uncomfortable, it helped me be willing to endure anything to make my dreams happen. Being comfy all the time, what are you learning in that? Maybe you learn more about things you like, what you love, how to rest. Maybe you learn about how beautiful life can be to an extent. But what do you learn that will help you in the other times of life when shit gets hard? Because a lot of life is hard. Not necessarily suffering, but hard. Expanding your comfort zone teaches you how to deal with the hard and appreciate the goodness that life has to offer. Learning how to be uncomfortable also helps you appreciate what's going well in your life. Like for me, I learned how to not take for granted running water, warm water, an external heat source like fire or heater, being strong and healthy, sunny days, my body's ability to heal, a hammock in the breeze, friends, honest friends, a perfectly brewed cup of tea, a sunset in my sleeping bag, warm and dry, waking up, being alive. And you know what else happens when you appreciate what you already have? The universe appreciates that you notice. I love this Alice Walker quote from The Color Purple. I think it pisses God off if you walk by the color purple in a field somewhere and don't notice it. People think pleasing God is all God cares about, but any fool living in the world can see it always trying to please us back. Good, right? 
And when you notice what you've already got, more goodness comes your way because why send more goodness to someone who doesn't even see and appreciate what they've already got? So discomfort, expanding your comfort zone. It helps you be able to do whatever it takes to make the most of this one precious life. This total miracle of a gift to create the life you were meant to live. It helps you appreciate what you already have so you feel abundant and can call in more. Like attracts like. This is why I don't wish you comfort and joy. I wish you better. I wish for you the ability to be uncomfortable. I wish for you the ability to know that life inherently includes suffering and that you don't need to run from it. I wish you the knowledge that there's nothing wrong happening when shit gets hard. It's just the way it is. I wish you the courage to step into discomfort knowing that what lies on the other side will be so worth it. I wish you the deep knowing that you can handle anything so that you don't shy away from taking risks in life. That's ZG, right? So I want you to think about what are one or two things that you could do to expand your comfort zone? Maybe you could do an outdoor course, right? To start experimenting what is it like to get outside of your comfort zone in a very physical way. Maybe it's challenging yourself to not turn away from the next uncomfortable situation, right? So the next time you feel uncomfortable, don't try to push it away. Try to expand what you are able to be comfortable with and see what it has to teach you. You don't deserve comfort. You deserve better. If you like what you heard and want to learn more about how to free your mind and free your life, go to rebelbuddhist.com and grab my free Rebel Buddhist Toolkit, where you'll receive a video training on cultivating resilience, access to the private Rebel Buddhist group where I do weekly live sessions on topics like this, a copy of the gorgeous Rebel Buddhist Manifesto, and more. That's rebelbuddhist.com. Dot com.